0: That's it. Rebound. That's the triple-double oh, oh, oh. for Zoe. That's two more points in the triple-double, and the bench is just bouncing up and down. Two Lakers with triple-doubles tonight. <laughs>
2: everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where a week out from Christmas, the Lakers unfortunately have been naughty, not nice, Trevor Ariza is now a wizard, Harry, and James Harden just traveled again, not once, but twice. I think that's a pretty good summary of the last few days for the Lakers, right?
3: I think that's a good summary, yeah.
2: Uh, anyways, Tommy, before we get into everything, how's your December going, and have you finished all of your Christmas shopping?
3: Um, December's going well, very busy. Uh, and I guess I finished my shopping because I, I I don't really know.
1: (laughs) You know what I'm saying?
3: Like, there's some people who are like gray areas. Like, am I supposed to get you a gift? I, you know, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I have, I have a couple of, I have some spatterings of Christmas events coming up before actual Christmas. And you know, when you go to those events, you feel obligated to just also give like a generic gift. So that's kind of what I'm looking for right now. I found right. something in the mall. There's like a Hickory Farms cheese and meat sort of platter thing. I'm like, alright, this is a pretty good generic adult gift that I can give. So I've been stocking up on those. They're kind of expensive though. But anyways, they uh they, they serve the purpose um this holiday season. You know who's not serving the purpose for this holiday season? It's the Lakers. Um okay, so tonight, uh this episode, this actually might be one of our last episodes before Christmas and before the new year, we'll see um apologies for the sound quality we are kind of doing this on the go tommy's like driving from pasadena to the south bay hopefully he doesn't crash so yeah apologies for the uh the audio quality and whatnot but uh yeah tonight we're gonna give our typical team temperature check talk about the kcp trevor ariza trade that wasn't uh and also get into some other potential kcp trade destinations maybe talk some anthony davis rumors and scenarios and then we'll wrap it all up with a nice holiday-themed Naughty and Nice segment talking about some of the specific aspects, both sweet and salty, of the Lakers season that have caught our eye. Before we get into all that, though, as usual, please follow us on Twitter, at Pod. Please also rate and us on iTunes, because the more you rate interview us, that's how many more Lance Stevenson Zumba classes, Born Ready, will continue to head up and teach this season. So hezzy, hezzy, crossover, crossover, step back hard and travel. So please rate and review us on iTunes uh, for that reason. And also help us get to 300 reviews by 2019. We are currently at 292. So rating and reviewing will help us get to that goal. Also, lastly, if you'd like to help us out financially, please send us a buck or two at patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Shout out to Manuel for being one of our newest patrons. We really appreciate it. Okay, with all that said, let's do the, our typical quick Lakers temperature check, Tommy. Um, the Lakers' recent stretch here has been kind of rough. They uh, ended their road trip 1-3. Outside of the Rockets, who at this point have clawed their way back up to 500, um, lost to the Brooklyn Nets, lost to the Washington Wizards, both teams who are struggling. And, and especially for the Wizards, right? They've been in turmoil chemistry-wise all season and were shorthanded, losing Kelly Oubre in that Trevor Reza trade and whatnot. So it's been kind of disappointing the way that the Lakers have played. Obviously, they faced off against former Laker D'Angelo Russell. Um, We'll see if Julius Randle is going to face off against them on Friday, but it seems to be the week of former Lakers coming to haunt the team, potentially. We'll see. Um, But with all that said, the Lakers are still 18-13. and They're fourth in the West, three losses behind the third and second place teams the Thunder, and Warriors, respectively. Uh, currently, they are tied with the Blazers and Clippers with 13 losses. And as I mentioned, the Houston Rockets are now back in the playoff picture and only one loss behind the Lakers with 14. So the Western Conference playoff race is as tight as ever. There have been some good developments even in spite of, I guess, this pretty mucky stretch here, though. Alonzo Ball's stellar play. Not only the 25 points he had the last game against D'Angelo Russell, hitting five threes, but obviously the... Double, triple, double game he had alongside LeBron James in the Charlotte Hornets uh, blowout win. That was awesome. Um, Mo Wagner's gotten some minutes. Zvima Kailu's got gotten some minutes. So there have been some silver linings and, and good developments in spite of this rough stretch. But with that being said, Tommy, yeah, what have you thought about the Lakers um, in the last week or so? Obviously, they've been shorthanded. Yeah, I guess what do you attribute their struggles to? Is it being shorthanded? Is it the holiday malaise? It seems like they've kind of lost steam. Can, can you really attribute it to any one thing, but yeah, what are your thoughts on how they've played recently?
3: Uh, well, I think two of those things that you said go hand in hand. I think it's uh, it's the injuries, um, so the lack of depth, and then the holiday or like the, the the losing steam, I guess, because these guys have been playing so many minutes uh, making up for BI being out, making up for Rondo being out uh, the last few games. Beasley's been out. Um, JaVale's been out. Like, these are guys who, yeah, Beasley, okay, you know, some people are saying, okay, well, Beasley's not even part of the normal rotation, but, yeah, but in an 82-game season, that's why you have guys like Michael Beasley as, like, your number 13. So when BI gets hurt and Rondo gets hurt and other people have to miss games, you have those guys. But, you know, we were playing these games with uh, – we're carrying 15 on our roster – we had, like, three, four injuries. One of our guys is Isaac Bongo, who's not ready to play in the NBA right now. And we're essentially... I mean, there were games where it's like we were essentially playing, I don't know, nine guys that we felt comfortable playing. That's tough to do when you're doing, you know, three games and four nights on the road um, across the country. Mm-hmm. I know the East is relatively weak. I, I get all that, but road games are road games. You know, I'm sure... You know, I, should, well, I shouldn't say I'm sure, but we play Brooklyn at home. We probably destroy them, even even with injuries. We play uh, the Wizards at home. John Wall's not dropping fifty points on us, or whatever he did. Uh, you know, in, in Staples Center, and you know, you kind of even saw that. I think the Wizards' next game after they played us, they lost to the Hawks, mm-hmm. um, and John Wall played like complete trash. So you know, it's 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 a combination of a variety of factors. The last this road trip, one and three was was disappointing um but i I don't think it's a good barometer of where this team is I, i think like at least in three of those games well we won one of them but in two of the three losses we were there for a good chunk of the game um and you know it it's it's just a matter of sometimes the stars just don't you know things don't align the way that you would hope they would and uh so it, I think it's it's disappointing, but hard to take much from it. Is where I stand.
2: Yeah, and and like I said, they had that blowout win against Charlotte on the road. Obviously, they had that Miami Heat win, which they shouldn't have won, and then before that, they had the blowout win against the Memphis Grizzlies. But overall, I've gotten this sense and feel that the Lakers have just lost steam, and then the. The losses to obviously Brandon Ingram, Rajon Rondo, and then most recently Javale McGee has been kind of the nail in the coffin.
3: Yeah, because it, it's like these are three—I mean, two starters and three core core rotation players. It's hard to replace that. You know what ends up happening is you get LeBron playing way more minutes than he's been playing the whole season. Lonzo, same thing. Kuzma, same thing. So yeah, over time, these guys just get worn out. It's—it's—it's it's, it's, uh, there's not a whole lot you could do about it.
2: Well, on top of it, JaVale McGee, our entire defense is kind of built around this guy. And when you lose him, everything falls apart. And we've kind of seen that the last two games or so, you know, pretty much getting blown out by the Wizards, which was disappointing. Um, And and like you said, you know, context, I think that Houston Rockets game kind of knocked the wind out of us with the refs, you know, helping Harden and Chris Paul. So, But regardless, the the Lakers have looked kind of sloppy. They're shorthanded. Brandon Ingram and Rajon Rondo are on the way back, so hopefully that should help shore things up, especially the bench unit. I know a lot of people are panicking again. There are stories coming out about LeBron James being frustrated. Oh my gosh, is, does he want Carmelo Anthony to come? Why is he talking about Anthony Davis? Yada yada, all the typical hullabaloo has come back into play with the Lakers dropping their last, you know, three out of four games, right? But in the grand scheme of things and contextualizing everything, I'm not too worried. I think they'll bounce back just fine, especially once they get their depth back. I think the most disappointing thing for me is that even in their wins outside of the Memphis game and the Charlotte Hornets game, they haven't looked too great even in their wins. And I think right now the Lakers just have this tendency to... And I, and I mentioned it on Twitter. The most frustrating thing about the Lakers is they've already shown us how good they can be when they're clicking. And I know that can be said for a lot of teams, but for the Lakers, it's, it's true. And you can kind of project that out into the playoffs because the West is wide open. And when you have the Lakers actually clicking on all cylinders, they can contend with any team, not named the Warriors. And even the Warriors, they may be able to put up a fight there. Um, So the Lakers have already showed us a glimpse of what they can do. Like I mentioned on Twitter, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. So if they give us anything less than that, I think that's where it gets most annoying because you can kind of tell That they're a little bit more lackadaisical. They don't have their foot on the gas pedal. And they just have these lapses that happen at least one full quarter every game. And then that extends to two quarters. And then they're clawing their way back and all that stuff. So that's my only, that's the only time I really get frustrated and annoyed just because I know they can do so much better than they're doing right now. You know, they've shown that to us. And it's like, what's going on? Um, And a lot
3: of that, though, I mean, a lot of that, though, I think you can attribute to It, it really, in my opinion, we didn't start to look like. Bad until javel started sat out the last couple of games. Um, we base so much, like you said, we so much of our defense is based on him. And when he's not out there, I mean, you saw it like uh, some of those plays, it was like, Oh, you know, Luke had some quote, um, that Jared Dudley did not appreciate, but Luke had some quote that was like, You know, 33 or, or Jared Dudley at this stage in his career should not be blowing by guys. I don't know that it's blowing by guys though. It's like funny. Cause like you'd watch Lonzo out there on the perimeter and it's like, he was funneling his man to no help. So, you know, it's like the wizards were just running right by him and it's like, Oh, well, why is he getting blown by so easily? No, 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 he was not getting blown by. He was like trying to funnel him towards like the rim. And then it's like, nobody rotates over. Like it, it I think they, it seemed like nobody had any idea what they, who was playing center. Like I, So those are all things that it's like when JaVale is like the Washington, sorry, not the Washington, the Brooklyn Nets game. I feel like we win that game if we have JaVale because JaVale, the beauty of JaVale is you can even, you keep him out there for rim protection, even if you're playing a small ball lineup Um, because he's so athletic and he can, you know, guard guys on the perimeter and react back to the Mm pain. So he, uh, when he's not out there and Tyson Chandler is too slow and guys, teams are going small like, you know, the Wizards were doing or uh, I keep saying the Wizards, the Nets were doing against us. It's just hard to defend that um, when you uh, when you have Tyson Chandler out there and when you have LeBron. And then when we took him out, you have LeBron and Kuzma and neither of them. It, it seemed like neither of them were really sure of what what was happening defensively.
2: Yeah, agree. And at the end of the day, this is just a typical ebb and flow of a season and the Lakers are kind of hitting somewhat of a wall compounded by obviously the injuries and being shorthanded and not having the depth that they're used to and even in spite of that I think I don't know if you remember your 36 game projection Um, the Lakers are kind of still in my middle tier Um, my high-end 36 game projection first 36 games was 25 and 11 which is a super high-end projection Uh, My middle tier was 22 and 14, and my worst case was 20 and 16. Right now, the Lakers are 18 and 13, and I think they're going to hedge themselves right in that middle tier at 22 and 14. If they can win, you know, their next uh, if they if they go four and one, they're going to hit that middle mark for me.
3: I was just going to say I think they're ahead of where I thought they were going to be. The record might not indicate it, but so many of these losses, and I know it's like easy to say, like this loss is different than this like you know i i'm not trying to do that too much i'm my point is um these depth losses that we've been having are not indicative of like where this team is gonna go like what we've seen since brandon ingram went down is that kyle kuzma is like established himself as like a very clear number two scoring option and just imagine if now there was more, you know, we instead of having to rely on Born ready for 25 minutes a game, we can put B.I. in more, you know, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Yeah, we can rely on him for the Zumba classes, as I mentioned. Um, hey, but really quickly, Mo Wagner. Dude, this guy, morning, since he's got a minute, <laughs> you know, Coach Beeline taught me that I just got to be patient. And, and right now I'm getting my chance and uh, I'm hitting my threes and it's, it's good. Everybody's supporting me this dude's
3: stroke is wet but he is like he's i actually think weirdly his uh man defense is much better than i thought it was gonna be but mm-hmm. his team defense is like so bad he and he really <laughs> but i mean that's not that that can never be improved he'll improve on that over the offseason for sure but he and it's and it's just honestly it's an, an a part of being a rookie big man it's it's hard to learn those rotations but he is constantly out of position on rotations and, uh, uh, and boxing out. But offensively, I'm like very impressed by what I've seen.
2: Well, I don't think it's any small feat that this guy, keep in mind, he missed half of his summer league. He didn't have an offseason. He didn't have a training camp, preseason, etc. And he comes in here and in, in games where he averaged at least six minutes, he's shooting six of ten from three. You you look over at Savima Kailu, who's supposed to be the second coming of J.J. Redick, and he struggled to even hit his open shots, and and Mo Wagner just comes out here in pick and pop scenarios, looking like he's Kevin Love. So I'm very impressed with this guy, and I you know the man defense and all that stuff is gonna come, and the technique he does look like a he- deer in headlights, but with regards to the offensive versatility that he can provide this team, I, he's exceeded expectations even just early on. You know, 6 of 10. That's amazing. And then, hey, Svima Kailu, he's also shot. hes He's been shooting his 3 a lot better. You know, in December, he's hitting threes a game, shooting 36% from 3-point land. You know, considering he was at like 20%, that's great. He's finally hitting some open shots and he has gotten some burn and I think that'll all pay off down the road. With that said, that'll wrap up our Lakers temperature check segment. Tommy, let's talk about KCP and Trevor Ariza. Um, you down with KCP because you're going to have to be down because he's still here. Um, With that said, that might not be a bad thing. We got that Brooks Brooks debacle. Uh, Marshawn Brooks, Dylan Brooks, Scott Brooks, so many Brooks.
1: Hey, this is Brian from the Almighty Baller Podcast Network here to talk about keeps. So there's just no two ways to say it. Losing hair is awful. Nobody wants to go through it. And two out of three guys are going to experience hair loss by the time they're 35. This is the world we live in people. Now I personally haven't started this, you know, downturn, but I got a couple of people close to my life that go through it and they always say, should have started it sooner rather than later. So anyways, these FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes now and starting just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. So they've ironed out the process. Basically, you just take a photo of your hair and you shoot it over and a licensed physician will review the information and recommend the right treatment to you and then, boom, shipped right to your door every three months. So Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month. Uh, Plus, now you can get your first month free uh, to to what? To keep your hair. So come on. What are we talking about here? To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash almighty. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash almighty. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash almighty. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow.
2: But at the end of the day, Trevor Riza is a wizard. KCP is still with the Lakers Phoenix clearly wanted a young prospect. Uh they wanted one of the Lakers' young core and were willing to quote unquote settle on Josh Hart. The Lakers were never going to going to do anything of this sort, thank God. But Phoenix did end up getting a young prospect in Kelly Oubre and uh they they cut out that third middle man and just dealt with the Wizards directly. Um Trevor Reese is actually playing pretty well for the Wizards, but I think it's just going to end up being a, a rental for them and then yeah, it's kind of crazy that they didn't get any future draft considerations, but this is what they signed up for. That's what they wanted a Trevor Ariza type to help steer them back in the playoff direction. The East is as wide open as the West, except in worse terms and worse circumstances. Um, with that said, and KCP being on the Lakers, are you okay with how this turned out? And then kind of just looking at the landscape, I have some suggestions of other potential KCP destinations, but just looking at the landscape, is there really any other guy that you'd currently trade KCP for right now? Uh, because the stipulations that the Lakers have to work with are any guy they trade KCP for has to be, obviously, one, he has to be expiring. Two, he has to be taller, longer, and give the Lakers some added height. That's why we thought the KCP for Trevor Rees swap worked. Uh, his shooting can either be a wash with KCP shooting or slightly better. And most of all, he has to provide some other intangible type qualities i.e. playoff experience or leadership that KCP currently doesn't. So Trevor Riza kind of fit all of those criteria. Can you think of any other players that could, you know, you could check that those boxes off with regards to finding another partner for KCP? Uh, in terms of what
3: we're working with, right? So again, it's like you said, it's it's not a matter of who could, just in general terms, work, because I think a lot of people could. It's who could work with what we need to do. In other words, who... What what other team in the league has a guy in like the fifteen, or excuse me, like well I guess like ten to fourteen million range of salary that's expiring? You know, I, it just there aren't that many guys. One of them was Austin Rivers, who was traded in the uh, in that in the uh, Trevor Ariza trade. So, which is why I think we raised that rumor previously as a potential three team option, mm-hmm. um, but beyond him it's really hard to think of you know and then not only those two things but the third thing this team has to be somewhere that like KCP has a no trade clause this third team would have to be a situation for KCP that makes sense for him he, he would feel uh, comfortable waving his no trade clause because he thinks he would have more of a role and a better opportunity and it's just hard to think of what those scenarios are I mean like I I I think you, I mean, I'm sure you'll have some ideas here, but so I'm curious to hear, actually. I'll just stop talking. What, what, what do you have for us?
2: Well, first, just give me your thoughts, and are you disappointed that we didn't get Trevor Ariza, or you're perfectly fine that KCP's here?
3: Yeah, I'm perfectly fine. Like I said, Ariza would have been very nice. Ultimately, he's KCP, but at a different position, right? And there's potential downside in the sense that, like, Ariza's 33 and potentially has lost a step, whereas, you know, KCP is not a world beater but he's 25 and uh you can still stick that guy on like the opponent's best perimeter player for 35 plus minutes a night and he theoretically could do it i mean like not that we would do that but he could do it and he's been playing very very well uh, ever since his like super super slow start he's been playing very very well and his percentages are trending heavily upward um he might be at a career high in three point shooting at this point i'm not exactly no he's
2: he's just shooting 34% but i think in the last in the last month or so he's like spiked it to what 36 to 40% something like that
3: yeah he was uh because for a long stretch he was in low 30s
2: he's at 40% for december so
3: there you go yeah so i i i frankly don't understand the wizards trade um i get that they were struggling and they just wanted to shake things up in any way but if anything you would think that they could use a guy like KCP more than Trevor Ariza you know they already have Otto Porter and i get that they could use Porter and Ariza together when they go small but you're probably only going to start one of those guys i would think i don't know i mean i don't know what their plan is but or what they've done in the last couple of games since they've gotten Ariza but it, it just didn't really make sense to me to go older and like slow like you know slower than theoretically KCP would be like you're already getting rid of Austin Rivers, who's a guard for you. Seems like it would be a decent idea to replace him with a guard who doesn't need the ball in his hands, someone like KCP, for instance, and uh, and who would play defense. And I so I just don't understand it from their perspective. And then from the Suns' perspective, it's like, okay, yeah, you got rid of Ariza and you got this Austin Rivers guy who saves you some salary space, uh, and then they ended up buying him out. But you know, he was still a salary reduction compared to Ariza, And then you get a young prospect in Kelly Oubre, who you can make a decision on, you know, next summer. But then the Oubre thing is still weird too, because it's like, you don't, you have Josh Jackson and like, they have a couple other wings. Uh, I know TJ Warren is a little bigger, but he is already not getting like a ton of minutes and, I thought they wanted to play him more. So I, I'm just like kind of confused from both teams' perspectives.
2: Sure. Let's not get too lost in the weeds with the Suns and the Wizards. Great, you're
3: right. Okay. But the general the general gist of, of where I'm going with this is I'm fine with it. Um, it would have been great to have Ariza. I, st- I like Ariza. He fit our roster probably better than KCP, but not the end of the world. KCP has been solid for us.
2: Yeah, my two cents on the deal is for the Suns, it makes a to- whole ton of sense because they were going to lose Ariza for nothing anyways. They got Ubre. It doesn't matter that they have so many wings. Uh For the Wizards, I think they wanted Ariza in the same ways that we wanted Ariza. That locker room is toxic, so getting a veteran guy like Ariza, who's a good locker room sort of dude and has some leadership qualities that KCP may not have at this juncture is probably why they wanted him. My my questioning or my biggest question for the wizards though is why they would give up Kelly Oubre. I know they may not be able to pay him, but you're not going to be able to pay Trevor Ariza either, you know, and Ke- Kelly Oubre was actually playing decently for them. He was starting before uh this this trade came along and like you said, they gave up some extra guard depth. So I get it for, in terms of what they wanted out of Trevor Ariza. I don't get why they gave up what they gave up. Uh with that said, I'm also fine with KCP. Like I like I mentioned, there aren't a lot of other guys that I would flip flop for KCP at this point because Pelton threw out some guys like Wayne Ellington, Terrence Ross, and I think KCP is better than both those guys. You know, they're both on expiring contracts. And at this point, even if KCP's shot continues to be streaky and wonky, especially as the playoffs come around, just having a Guy like him, who at his baseline is a de- is a defender that gives good effort. That's a player that has a good floor for the playoffs. Even if he's liable to take bad shots and melt into a what Wesley Johnson type player when when the limelight gets a little too hot. Um, but with that said, I do have some potential KCP trade destinations, and you can give me your thoughts on this. Uh, it's rumored that the Houston Rockets really want KCP and KCP would waive his no-trade clause for the Rockets, I just don't think Houston has any guys that we would want in terms of wings, and I'd rather just keep KCP. And obviously, you don't want to give it, give him up to a competitor. Uh, there's Gerald Green, that How- Daniel House guy, James Ennis, but I think I'd still take KCP over those guys, right? Yeah, those guys are trash. Yeah, so w- once again, I uh, need to remember that Lakers can only trade for expiring guys. KCP still has a no trade clause and any, any team that he waves that for would need to be a situation where he gets more of a role and a chance to shine. So Tommy, let's assume that.
3: I guess before you continue, my one caveat that I'll just throw out because it's just standing out to me is obviously there could be a scenario where we trade KCP to a team that doesn't have assets that we want, but you know, a three team trade, they trade those guys to somebody else and we get the player from a third team. But anyway, go ahead.
2: No, that's exactly where I was going. I was going to say, let's just assume that even if some of the players I mentioned, even if they're on teams that wouldn't suit KCP, let's just assume that we have a third party in line to help make this trade happen or grease the wheels, right? And that third team would presumably give the, 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 the direct team that we're dealing with a young asset or future considerations that they would covet more than KCP. Um, so some potential names that are out there. Wesley Matthews in, from the Dallas Mavericks, and this is only assuming that if the Dallas Mavericks slide, which there's no certainty in that because Luka Doncic is God. So let's say the Dallas Mavericks slide, and they're like, okay, well, we we don't we don't have use for Wesley Matthews, and they facilita- we facilitate a three-team trade with someone else, and they get some draft considerations, and that uh, the third team gets KCP. Let's say it's the Sixers because they want the, they want KCP as well. Would you take on Wesley Matthews for KCP?
3: Absolutely. I think Wesley Matthews is very similar, but he is much more, I don't know, maybe much as strong, but he is more well-rounded than KCPA, at least in my opinion.
2: And I don't know how Wesley Matthews' defense has been since his Achilles injury, but at the end of the day, he did used to be a pretty solid defender. He was an elite yeah.
3: defender before the yeah. Achilles injury, right. for sure.
2: But he's shooting 40% from three, and that's kind of what i care about the most cuz one thing i didn't state when we were doing a lakers temperature check is the lakers are just built and i guess this kind of will give a spoiler alert to our naughty and nice segment but the lakers are shooting a decent are shooting at a decent clip from three point range but they're still not a team with consistent elite three point shooters and you could always use more of that around lebron james and wesley matthews is that type of guy who it's not going to be One month, he's shooting 45% from three. The next month, he's shooting 25%. It's kind of more along the lines of, he's a 35 to 42% three-point shooter at all times. You could really use that type of guy. And most of all, kind of like the criteria I was talking about in terms of what kind of player would you be willing to give KCP up for, he kind of gives you that veteran leadership type player who's been in the playoffs. If you remember when he was with Portland, he was in the, the playoffs perennially. So right. just having a guy like that is huge. So I think we're both on the same page. Wesley Matthews. Um, I'll throw out some other guys that I know you're going to say no to, but uh, Avery Bradley from the Clippers. No, right? Ooh, hard no. Yeah. Actually so, was, that's funny you bring him up. I was looking at him
3: the other day because the Clippers, the Clippers are a team that has like a strong potential to start a massive slide and not even make the playoffs. And, and then at that point they'll be looking to clean house. And so anyway, I thought about Avery Bradley, but, That dude is just so... I thought he was over... I've always thought he was overrated and he's just having such a bad year.
2: I think he's just fallen off a cliff too. He's had some injuries, been banged up, and he's just old. So that's what you're seeing right now. And Avery Bradley, he's not exactly an expiring contract, but he does... His 2019-20 contract is partially guaranteed. So I guess there's some enticing elements to that, um, potentially. Uh, Jeremy Lamb from the Charlotte Hornets, who we saw on Saturday. I would... I, no, well, I would still probably not do it
3: because he doesn't solve our shooting issues. Um.
2: Yeah, I think he's, I think he's as streaky as KCP. He's like shooting 34%, shot 37% last year. He is a wing defender, but at the end of the day, he's also not, I honestly, I'm I'm hinging a lot of this on playoff experience and yeah. he's not the type of guy who kind of brings, who has that or brings that to the table. So yeah, it's, in, it's intriguing, but it's a pass for me. Uh, what about Jared Dudley, who we saw <laughs> who we saw l- last night? <laughs> uh great locker room guy, veteran leadership, yada yada.
3: Based on what I saw, I would have to look
2: at his stats.
3: I, I really wish I was on my computer. Based on what I saw last night, I would hundred percent say yes. But I just feel like that's not an accurate representation of how it's no. been, probably.
2: Uh, you know, honestly, he's he might actually fall under my buyout category. We don't, wouldn't need to trade KCP for him. You just add okay, him fantastic. onto the team. You know? Okay, so no Jared Dudley, maybe buyout. Uh, Al Farouk Minu.
3: <laughs> I mean, I would probably say no.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, especially once we get Brandon Ingram back, it's uh he's shooting thirty six percent from three. Huh, that's interesting. How many there... makes? 1.4. Last year, he shot 37% on 1.8. That's not that bad. <laughs> huh? Actually, I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Because he's a, he's a guy with length, right? He's long. Yeah, he's
3: very long, and he's a good defender. He could play 3-4. Yeah.
2: So I don't know if Portland would do that, but, you know, if there's a team Portland would. in Portland, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think they value him. Yeah. So other guys on the list, Wayne Ellington, uh, Ed Davis, Dwayne Dedman, Anthony Tolliver, for thinking about guys outside of the wing position. I don't think any of those guys intrigue you, right? Ed Davis, maybe, but I don't know.
3: Such a barren market.
2: Yeah. Okay. So here's the one guy I have circled in. Oh, um, God. Here it comes. You ready for this? Yes. Former LeBron James teammate and former Cavaliers champion Iman Shumpert from the Sacramento Kings. Oh, damn! damn. Uh oh.
3: I would for sure do that. Wait, what is, again, I wish I was looking at the stats. I apologize. I keep asking you. What what is, uh, what's, what are Amon's numbers? Is he like, I assumed he's like an active part of their rotation.
2: He is a starter or he has been starting a couple games for this, you know, above 500 Kings team. He's shooting 38% from three on 1.8 makes. Yeah. Nine points, three rebounds, 1.3 steals. And again, for me, I'm going intangible route, even outside of these great stats. It's like, this guy won a championship. He's played with LeBron before. You know he's not going to be scared of the limelight. I would do this if somehow... It's very realistic that the Kings slide.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah. As,
2: as good as De- De'Aaron Fox is playing and all that stuff, they may want to give way to their young guys anyways.
3: No, no, I, yeah, I agree with you that there's a decent chance that that's at some point some of these guys are going to have to slip out because like Houston is still not a playoff team. So, like, some of these guys will start to slip out. I agree. Sacramento is a prime candidate for that. I just, I mean, maybe if, if is Amon an expiring contract? He is. Mm-hmm. Maybe if they just like work out a deal like out of like respect with for his agent or like for him to be like, okay, well, but then, would KCP accept a trade to the Kings? Like,
2: well, we're already. Assu- I remember we're already assuming there's a third team to help us here. That's true. So your answer is yes. <laughs> I mean, your answer is yes. So everybody, I would definitely were- do that. Yeah. But remember, Iman Shumpert. If it happens, then call us. Not no. I was going to say Nostradamus. Nostradamus. There you go. Some other guys. <laughs> some other guys. Um, Rodney Hood, you know Kevin Pelton's thrown at Rodney Hood, but I actually don't think I would go that route. Been there, done that with LeBron last year.
3: Just and I think, think Rodney
2: Hood is that good. I,
3: I, it's, it's, he's frustrating to watch because he should be really good.
2: And I also think KCP is a better defender. All that jazz. Um, like I said, buyout candidates is probably the way the Lakers go instead of a KCP trade because you can keep KCP and just add on to that. You know, add veteran leadership, add veteran experience, add more shooting. And some buyout candidates that are out there outside of, you know, Jared Dudley, Vince Carter, Jeff Green, J.R. Smith, those types of guys. Yeah, um, Jeff
3: Green would be sick.
2: Yeah, and we'll see if the Wizards continue to slide. That, that could be a possibility. Uh, he's starting for the Wizards right now, actually. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, with that said, anything else to say about KCP? Um... No, yeah, nothing else. No, cool. All right, that'll lead us straight into Anthony Davis. And th- maybe this is going to be a super quick segment. Um LeBron James was asked the other night, well, <laughs> it's kind of a stupid question. I can't believe so much attention was put on this. It's like, would you want Anthony Davis on your team right now? And he's like, yeah, of course I would, duh. And people just kind of took that and ran with it. And I'm like, wait, where are we going here? <laughs> that question was asked of him. It's not like he brought that up out of nowhere. <laughs> he even said no trade of everyone on team Brandon New Davis. <laughs> right so i guess my one question to you and it's a very simple one knowing I that take Davis, yeah. <laughs> no, not as stupid as that question that was asked from of lebron james but knowing that the lakers kind of have an open window here where their number one prime competitor the boston celtics at this moment cannot trade for him until at the earliest this summer because they already have kyrie irving as their designated superstar i forget what the term is but He's their designated superstar player, and you can't have two of those types of guys on your roster unless they traded Kyrie for Anthony Davis, which they won't do. Um, the earliest they can trade for him is this summer when they sign Kyrie to a new contract, and then they can sign Anthony Davis or they can trade for Anthony Davis. Um, knowing that the Lakers have this open window, do you think that they would ever entertain kind of busting through that window and? and yeah, I guess taking control of the situation while they can, while they while they don't have any other strong competitors in the Anthony Davis market. And if your answer is yes, do you think the Lakers would actually what's selling the farm in your opinion at this juncture?
3: I just it's hard for me to entertain any of this because I just see that there's like really no chance that Anthony Davis gets traded. I feel like he could demand a trade this year and they still probably wouldn't trade him. The earliest he'd be traded is it would take him demanding a trade over the summer to the point of being like, I'm not, I'm going to pull a, you know, what Paul, what Jimmy Butler tried to do if you don't trade me type of thing. And then like with respect to selling the farm at this stage, I think even if he made that kind of demand, I still think it would cost two of our three uh, from our young core, you know? So probably one of bi and kuzma and then probably lonzo as well i I think yeah i don't know if all three i mean like to get anthony davis just in a vacuum no package we could produce except one involving lebron james we would have to trade like lebron kuzma and josh hart to get anthony davis right now and they still might not even do it
2: and you bring up a good point because the people are saying oh we should take that chance now and you know strike when it's hot And, and i'm like The New Orleans Pelicans aren't going to do this because one, they're going to make other trades to help their team improve first, you know? And then secondly, secondly, they're going to wait for the Boston Celtics this summer to see what type of offer they can give them. If that's really the route they decide to go to. Because I think even if the Lakers, like, you know, barring LeBron James, if they give up Brandon Ingram, Kuzma, Alonzo, which they're obviously not going to do. I think even at this point, the New Orleans Pelicans would say, ah, that's a good package, but we also still want to see what the Celtics have to offer, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so it's a mood point. Don't get your hopes up for an Anthony, Davis coming to the Lakers anytime soon. The soonest we can have any of these conversations and discussions is this summer. So don't believe the hype and don't believe all this hoopla about LeBron J. obviously we all want Anthony Davis, but timing and context, are at play here, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, with that said, we did talk about something interesting and some maybe something we'll get into more detail in a future episode. But if the Lakers, let's say they strike out on Kevin Durant this summer, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Kemba Walker, et cetera, we did discuss the angle where, okay, well, obviously the Lakers are going to punt again, punt that cap space for the next year. And we talked about one of Anthony Davis' teammates, former Laker Julius Randle. And there could be an opportunity to reunite with Julius Randle. And at this point, let's just let's just assume that they, Aaron Mintz is amenable to this, which we don't think he is. But let's just take that factor out of the equation. Worst comes to worst, if the Lakers strike out, they should seriously entertain giving Julius Randle a one-year max punt offer and have him play. With LeBron James, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, etc., etc., and we going win the championship next year. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, anyways, you know, seriously, what, what are your thoughts on? We don't have to go too deeply into this because we have the the whole rest of this year to talk about potential summer acquisitions and whatnot. But just that angle of, and especially, it's I guess it's fitting because we are gonna play Julius Randle soon on Friday. Right. Um. But your thoughts on Julius Randle as that max punt guy? Um, I mean, I don't know
3: if max is necessary, or, you know, or if, uh, or if we would do something like that. I just feel like this summer, there are, a, if you're gonna max punt, there are so many options. And I just don't see I Julius Randall is fantastic. He's having a great year. And I really wish he was on our team. <laughs> like, I'll say that much. But I don't know. I just feel like if you like that's just in a vacuum if you compare him against other guys who could potentially be available boogie at some point is going to come back this season like he, well, let's see what he looks like he could be a guy that you know teams are still too unwilling to commit max for five four four years to him but maybe max one year somebody would or max two years
2: dude i would take randall over boogie in a second Boogie really? doesn't, doesn't look I I saw that tape of him rehabbing he does not he looks so slow and Julius Randle by the way is averaging 20 points, 9.5 rebounds, 2.7 assists, 55% shooting, 33% from 3 hitting 0.6 a game career year Julius Randle in only 27 minutes by the way. You'd think that he's averaging 32 minutes but no, he's off the bench doing this. So uh I guess in terms of uh, let me reframe it. What do you think of Julius Randle being the worst case scenario coming out of the summer?
3: I mean, that would be that would be fine. Like, I mean, yeah. like you're
2: saying, he. I mean, this guy would be our second best offensive player
3: immediately, even with Kuzma. And I feel like between him, LeBron and Kuzma, that's so much potent offense um, and a high efficiency offense too. Um, Kuzma is a perimeter player, but he's incredibly efficient for a perimeter player. Um, mm-hmm. LeBron is obviously LeBron, and Randall has proven like what is this the third year in a row? He's going to be over 50 percent. There was a and like well over 50 and taking a variety of shots. He's shooting like 32 or 33 percent from three, too, yeah. on like a decent number of attempts. I think he attempts like two and a half a game,
2: yeah, two a game, um,
3: yeah. So he. He's a very, very, very solid player. I don't know that he pushes the needle from like where we are now to make us like a championship contender, especially if we lose Javale and replace him with Randall. But worst case scenario, I mean, obviously you could do a lot worse. Randall is very good.
2: Yeah. So just keep that in your back pocket, Lakers fans. Uh, not all is lost if Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Clay Thompson, etc., don't come. We may be able to somehow finagle our way into a Julius Randall uh re reu- reunitation <laughs> that's not a word <laughs> julius randall reuniting <laughs> now that's not that's not the right phrase reunion Brian. reunion julius randall reunion. Were joking. <laughs> no i wish i was uh but when you get up here and this mic is facing you i just turn into mush uh anyway so let's end our show with a holiday sort of theme uh tommy i asked you to come up with Two naughty or nice things we can switch off and I came up with some additional scenarios just in case we overlap. Um, but give me one of your let's start naughty first. Uh, give me one of your naughty things that you've seen from the Lakers and obviously it doesn't have to be a player doesn't have to be a specific thing. it could be ethereal or more ambiguous but yeah what are your what's one of your naughty things for, for the Lakers
1: in this first half of the season? This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. Naughty things.
3: Um, I would say the consistency of Lonzo Ball. And this is a tough one. This is one that, like, I felt a lot more confident about this answer, like, literally seven days ago from today. But, uh... I think still overall I, I put Lonzo Ball on my on the naughty list. I thought this dude and he look like I said, it sounds a little bit more ridiculous given his recent performances, but I thought this guy was gonna come out like super uh, aggressive offensively and all this talk over the summer about how he needs to, you know, be looking to score first and you know, his shot looks a lot better and he he's got way more confidence and He's looked really great in practice, all this and that and this and that. And I'm like, okay, this dude is a year removed from putting up amazing shooting and scoring scoring, maybe not as much, but amazing shooting numbers at UCLA and having games where he just took over and including having games in like the summer league and early last year where he just like took over. Maybe we'll start to see a lot more of that. But he's played for like 95% of the season so far, totally up and down never consistent offensively like beyond m- making shots just making the right plays because his his confidence is so low so i think that that's that's definitely the first one that stands out to me
2: having said that once again though he didn't have an off season he wasn't able to really apply whatever he was thinking about in terms of maybe i should drive more it only he started when the season began and actually the last few games we've seen him stay aggressive in terms of you see it, he has a little pep in his step, a little pep in his dribble, and he's actually making a concerted effort to at least drive it into the lane and attempt some shots, which is nice to see. And obviously last game he had 23 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, hit 5 of his 3s. Again, I think the biggest thing with Lonzo is making sure that his entire offensive game is not predicated on whether or not he gets hot from 3, which, I, which is, I think, still a tendency of his. Great that he hit them last night, but if it's not going Hot in that respect in another game, can he still be effective? Can he still be aggressive in driving it in transition for himself, etc. etc.? It's just so crazy with him because when he's hitting his jump shot, like it's fucking wet.
3: Excuse my language. It's like it's wet, dude. Like when he is in a game that he's like on. It's not just like, oh, he's playing slightly better. You know, it's like his his near misses are now going in. It's like he he's throwing up these shots at like super quick release, like no follow through, backpedaling, like all the confidence in the world. And I'm like, wait, how are you? Why is this so easy for you right now? And like 95% of the time, you can't do this. I don't understand.
2: Yeah. So for Tommy, one of his naughty things is Lonzo Ball's consistency or lack thereof but he is turning the corner he has looked a lot better looked look like UCLA Lonzo Ball especially in the last game and that triple double game was amazing with LeBron James um one of my naughty things this may be kind of too on the nose and super obvious but free throw shooting we have left so many points on the board on the floor this entire season so I guess where the Lakers rank in free throw shooting 30th <laughs> Yes, thirtieth at sixty-nine point two percent. Oh my god. <laughs> yes, they, they are very bad and we don't Lakers... even have like
3: Dwight Howard on our team.
2: No, we don't. Uh the Lakers don't have a shooting coach, and I don't know whether it's the Lakers kind of taking the form and shape of their leader in LeBron James who's been inconsistent, but I don't know, these other guys, especially the young ones, kind of don't have an excuse at this point, and it's just it's just a little it's annoying, I'll say that because um, it's just it, it's one of those it's a mental thing at a certain point and the fact that they all can't have the fortitude mental fortitude to I don't know just hit their free throws in spite of the fact that and I, I understand that sometimes it's a snowball effect where it's like when they see LeBron James missing free throws or they see their other teammates missing free throws maybe there's more pressure on them to then hit when they're at the line and then that you know it's, it could be a snowball effect in that respect but I would just hope that the young guys would take it a little more seriously. We'd understand the gravity of the moment and that every point matters, especially in these close games we've been having in a very tight Western conference, you know, race. We can't take anything for granted. And free throws is the easiest way to kind of gain momentum back, you know? And it's almost like whenever we're getting to the free throw line, we're losing momentum. When in fact, when we're getting fouls, that should be helping us. And it's doing the opposite effect. We're complaining that we're not getting calls and stuff, but, are we going to hit the throws? So I think obviously that's that's one naughty thing that I'd like to bring up. Um, anything to say about the fritos?
3: Um, It's it's just, it's embarrassing to me that we can continue to, sh- and we've been trending down so hard the entire month of December. I think as a team in the month of December, we're at 66%. Yeah. So, which is like, I don't, I, in my entire life of watching basketball, I really don't recall a team shooting that poorly <laughs> over the course of a season i mean even our teams with shack when he was shooting 50 percent and taking like 10 attempts a game he you know we were still shooting i mean we were one of the worst in the league if not the worst but we were still still hitting over 70 as a team you know like 71 yeah. or something so it's just so bad and it's it's kind of embarrassing that you know we are trying to be this you know we're the best at everything type of organization, and we don't have a shooting coach. I, I I just don't understand that part.
2: Yeah. So yeah, hopefully that turns around because we can't have this aspect of our game be a momentum killer when for other teams it's helping them, especially, i.e. the Houston Rockets, and James Harden. All right. Um, give me one of your nice things that you've seen from the Lakers this year, whether it's a trend or a player or, or whatnot. Uh, one nice thing,
3: Kyle Kuzma. Uh, dude is straight money. <laughs> he is just straight money. You know what I'm saying? Like he I knew this guy was going to be good after last year because you don't come in and put up a season like that. I don't care on what team you're on. Uh, and and you're just going to be a completely worthless NBA player, right? The question was what is he what does he do, you know, kind of beyond that? And I was just always concerned that, you know, Kyle Kuzma's, which is not, you know, the end of the world, but I, I just thought like this guy's ceiling is really good bench scorer. Um, and he is so much more than that this year. He, first of all, is like not just so, you know, really good bench scorer. He is scoring with the, you know, be, some of the better starters in the NBA. Um, and he's putting up numbers consistently on high efficiency. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, he has really upped his defense. I mean, I, I know he's still not super, super consistent on that end, but he's a completely different player than he was last year. And playmaking wise, he's just doing so many things. I mean, he's just become such a guy who, even when he's not scoring, you still want him in the game. I mean, I kind of put like Lonzo, Kuzma, and LeBron all in that category. Regardless of whether or not they're scoring, you want those three guys in the game because they do so many things. Um, And Kuzma is just, you know, I never thought he, I mean, I, you know, I accepted the possibility, but I never really thought that Kuzma would get to this point, especially this fast.
2: I knew he had the playmaking chops. I just didn't know that one. I didn't know he'd get the opportunity this quickly, like you mentioned. And I guess maybe that's one of the benefits, and not that he's directly tied to Brandon Ingram, because he was doing this before Brandon Ingram went down, but obviously, with Brandon Ingram out, more ball time for Kyle Kuzma, right? And more opportunities for him to playmake for others, initiate his own offense, and he has just been hitting on all cylinders and coming out spades in all of those categories, and it's been such a joy to watch. In December, he's averaging 23.7 rebounds, 3.4 assists, 0.9 steals, 0.7 blocks, 51% 51% shooting from the field. Um, his three-point shooting is still kind of wonky, 33%, but he's has hit 2.2 a game. 90% from the free throw line. He should probably get there more. Um, this guy just has all the angles. I, I don't know how he became... So, it must just be an innate quality of his, you know, where I've never seen a guy hit such a wide variety of shots, whether that's him contorting his body, him now absorbing contact... It just seems like he knows where to throw the ball off the glass, no matter where he's at on the court, no matter how he's deterred, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so it's it's pretty uncanny. And the one thing I want to highlight about Kyle Kuzma actually is specifically his athleticism, explosiveness, and strength. I think those have been such a huge difference for his offensive game this year, and and added to his overall confidence. I mean, that dunk against the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, we thought he was a pretty decent athlete coming out of college, right? But now he's kind of risen to that stratosphere of like, maybe this dude is just explosive, you know? We kind of saw how Julius Randle gained some some athleticism and explosiveness even after his rookie year that was wasted by injury. And I feel like Kyle Kuzma, along with his length, you know, when he gets up off the floor, it's just been amazing to see him just rock the rim the way he has. Dude, I never thought uh, Kyle Kuzma would ever have this type
3: of athleticism and and frankly i thought he didn't need it because he was so skilled but exactly he is like a completely different person it's like the guy we who's playing right now is we didn't draft this person you know what (laughs) i mean like we didn't draft an above the room player this guy goes into the paint like angry earlier in the season it felt like he was still kind of just like laying down his hammers like last year like they were kind of line drive dunks but as the season is worn on, he's just like elevating and like yamming on dudes. It's crazy. Yep.
2: Yeah, they, they are ferocious and of the Thor hammer of God variety these days. And even if he's doing it in traffic, he had that one against Houston as well, where Clint Capella kind of just moved to the side, you know, and it, it's co- becoming a nightly thing with Kyle Kuzma, right? Uh, so very impressive. Obviously, the strength training that he's worked on this summer, bulking up, gaining all that weight. Has helped him out tremendously while still not l- losing all of that Anton Jameson type skill in the post with the footwork and whatnot. You fuse Anton Jameson and like Jason Richardson together at this point, uh, so we'll see how high Kyle Kuzma continues to climb. Uh, one of my nice things is the camaraderie and chemistry of the team. Mud fitting in perfectly, and if they aren't fitting in perfectly on the on the court, then they're still doing it off the court, providing you know Lance Stevenson. Obviously, he's been a train wreck. the last few weeks or so, but off the court, you can tell this guy brings so much life and humor to the locker room and just been a good overall presence to the young guys. He's been one of the biggest bench supporters. Uh, Like I've been joking, you know, is awesome with a capital A. So that's Lance Stevenson. Rajon Rondo in his time out has been, you know, one of the assistant coaches on the sideline. You saw him in the G league doing that rah, rah, um, inspirational, motivational speech, to the G league players. And overall, you can tell the guys just get along really well with each other. And the chemistry is there. They're laughing at every turn and moment. They fight for one another. I think that's been one of the biggest things for the Lakers this year that a lot of people did not anticipate. Instead, they were focusing in on these guys are... There's a high chance for a lot lot of volatility. could be very toxic what happens when these guys aren't getting minutes. And lo and behold, it doesn't matter. And that doesn't even take into account that JaVale McGee, the one guy who is getting minutes, has just knocked it out of the park and had a career season at 31-32 or whatever, How, however old he is. I think he's 30, actually. So uh, anything to say on the MUD and the camaraderie and chemistry part?
3: Uh, no, I don't think I have anything to add. I think you summarized pretty well.
2: Okay, give me your last naughty thing. I feel weird saying give me your naughty. <laughs> I'll give you some naughty things.
3: <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, last naughty thing. Um I will say I second naughty thing is our offensive our I, I will say half court execution. And I don't know it's a little at this point in the season I to pin that on like individual players or to pin that on a coach. Um so I don't know what to say about that, but uh our offensive half-court execution has just left a lot to be desired. Um, you know, early in the season, we were ranking as a really high efficiency offensive efficiency team. And I think as the season has worn on, it's become clear that that was just because we were playing at such a high pace and, you know, other teams had not like adapted yet. Um, and I just think that, we are supposed to be modeling ourselves off these certain teams with free flowing, constant movement offense. And I don't think it's at some point, you know, you can't say it's the players. If the players are being given clear directions, I don't think they're just disregarding those and just standing around the perimeter. You know, I think like we're running. So we're running, like we're trending way, way more towards being an ISO team um, and we still have stretches where it's like, okay, this is the team that was like supposed to average twenty eight, twenty nine assists a game and be one of the fastest paces, which we are. But then also have free flowing offensive sets that led to good looks. Um, we don't really have that, and I'm just, it's, it's, it's frankly, it's a little frustrating to watch because I feel like we have a lot of talent and we're getting by right now on and this should not be the case because we have so many young guys, but we're getting by right now on pure talent of guys like LeBron taking it himself, taking things upon himself. Guys like Kuzma being, you know, a very, very, for his age group, elite level ISO player, Um, random games where Lonzo or KCP or, you know, other guys just get hot. Um, I feel like we're relying on that way too much. And uh, that's one, that's one thing I'll put on the uh, naughty list.
2: Yeah, and kind of piggybacking off of that. I think the lack of reliable shooting doesn't help. I and mean, I'm not talking about streak shooting, which I think that's what the Lakers have. We have guys who can shoot and overall we're shooting a decent percentage. I think we're still middle of the pack, but it would be nice to have like that Kyle Corver, Wesley Matthews type guy who, and I'm even including Kuzma in this, right? He's turned it around in terms of three point shooting a little bit, but he's more of a volume three point shooter right now. Where you you just wish that LeBron had a little more surefire pure shooters around him, you know. I don't know whether the Lakers fixed that with just internal improvement from guys like Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, etc., or whether they also fixed that by bringing in a buyout guy or trading for one of those guys. So I think reliable shooting is a is a bit of a bugaboo. <laughs> I just wanted to use that, that phrase. Uh, <laughs> you bug-
1: what you bugaboo? Oh, you bugging me? And don't you see Ain't cool.
2: Uh, Okay, so one of my my last official naughty things is um, the continued wonky fit between Ingram and LeBron James. Obviously, Ingram has been out, but just from what we've seen, it's kind of like you have wonk, wonk wonk indeed. You have to have either one guy on the floor, the other guy off the the floor for it to work out um, to its uh, greatest extent or highest extent. More so for Brandon Ingram, obviously. LeBron James can play with anybody. Um, But when... In terms of getting the best out of Brandon Ingram, that's usually happened with him on the court by himself without LeBron James and him having the ball in his hands and initiating more of that, more of the offense, whether it's posting up, being a little more point Ingram at the top of the key, all that. And him just right now, a three-point shot would help him immensely, even just having a three-point shooter's mentality to take the shots um, instead of always going down the iso ball, back my man down route, or I'm at the post and I'm going to face up and spend the next six seconds figuring out what to do, et cetera, et cetera. We'd hoped that it would be, I think that we, I think everybody would have hoped that the fit would have been a little more seamless and, and kind of flowed a little bit better, but so far it hasn't. That's not to say that it won't by the all-star break. Brandon Ingram said, you got to give it time. And I agree with all of that, but just in terms of a naughty thing, I think all of us would, would say that it it could be better. You know, there's a lot to be desired with regards to that Ingram-LeBron tandem. Anything to add there?
3: No, I don't have anything else to add.
2: Cool. Okay, let's end this with our final nice thing. One of my final nice things is um, the defensive buy-in by everybody. One of the things that I thought the detractors in the offseason was, were right about was LeBron James being a liability on defense that has proven itself to be the case. And in spite of that, the Lakers have somehow still clawed their way down to or clawed their way up to 10th in defensive efficiency, kind of carrying LeBron and the LeBron feeding off of that and kind of bringing out defensive LeBron here and there with the highlight blocks, chase down blocks, uh, getting, I'm saying blocks a lot, but actually drawing charges, um, getting that blocking foul and all of that. And it's kind of rejuvenated him in a little bit. And overall, it's just been another case of the second year The second year that Luke Walton has kind of gotten these guys to buy in who are not necessarily all elite defenders. And we even lost Julius Randle last year, who proved to be a a defensive revelation. So the defensive buy in for me has been a huge nice thing for the Lakers. What's uh, your last nice thing?
3: I was going to say, I mean, it was defense related, actually, as well. But I was going to say defensive scheme. As I guess to, uh, which I guess is related to the buy-in, but I guess slightly different enough for me to get by here. Um, the defensive scheme I think has been really great. I think I was very, very nervous the way the season started, and it was just like, what are they even doing out there? But when we went through those, and you know, we've struggled a little, re- a little recently just because we've talked about it with all the injuries, but. When we were going through those periods of being, you know, a top five defensive team in the league for, you know, a very long stretch of games, um, our rotations and our switching and the way that we're reacting to what opponents' offenses are doing is really impressive to watch. I mean, we're completely, when we're all locked in, we completely take opponents out of what they're trying to do offensively. And it's, it's pretty amazing. And part of that is we just have so many high IQ guys. Like LeBron is not 28 year old LeBron anymore. Um, he's never going to be that again for the rest of his career. Defensively. No. Hello? Oh,
2: yeah. I just said, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, thought,
3: I thought it was disconnecting from you. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. So he, uh, he's just not going to be that anymore and that's fine. And we can get by in spite of that. But he's still a very high IQ guy. You see him, you know, strategically guarding people, and he still gets a ton of steals because he's his IQ is so high, he's anticipating what the offense is gonna do. Same thing with Lonzo, you see him off the ball constantly, like blowing up plays because he anticipates, you know, the first easy just like this is the play to this is the pass to kick off the play. Lonzo is so good at reading where those are and he just like blows them up and like blows up the timing. I feel like those are things that really go unrecognized in the stats. But, you know, we have a lot of guys who are doing stuff like that. And I feel like our coaching staff has really adapted to opponents offenses and the the personnel that we have. And I feel like they've done a great job with the scheme.
2: Yep. Absolutely agree. And obviously Tyson Chandler signing is baked into all of that. JaVale McGee signing, taking a chance on JaVale in spite of all the asthma concerns and whatnot is all baked into that as well. Um, with that said, that'll do it for our episode um this will probably be our last episode before the new year and obviously christmas maybe i'll do one more with alan since he hasn't been on in like a month and a half we'll see um but if you want us on more often you know patreon.com slash the lakers legacy podcast itunes rate and review let us know you're listening let us know you want more during the holidays we're gonna try and take it a little more easy do all of the friends and family girlfriend type stuff um tommy before we go I'm just looking. So, one thing, this is not going to be relevant to the listeners at this point. It'll be old news, but the Phoenix Suns beat the Celtics tonight. Ayo. Whoa, I didn't even see <laughs> it. Yeah, 111 to 103. And then, so I'm looking at, I don't know how I got to here, but I'm looking at Larry Nance's stats the last few games. Dude, he's been playing very well. <laughs> Dude, look at his assist totals. Seven assists, six assists, six assists, six assists, seven assists. Five games. Uh, tonight he had 10, 15, seven. Last game, 15-16-6, 14-10-6. Who is this guy? Good for him, man. Good for these former Lakers, man. The Lakers have drafted really well. They haven't knocked it out of the park in terms of getting a Joel Embiid, but damn, if they didn't draft some solid players, and those are the guys that we let go, you know? So, I mean, Larry
3: Nance is like, it's unfortunate because it's not like they didn't realize he was good.
2: Yeah, that's true. He's the championship-type player. Championship-type role player. And he and he was declared by the front office on so many
3: occasions to be, like, virtually untouchable. It's yeah. just that, like, you know, based on how he shook out, time. you know, it's like, yeah, it's just, he was an unfortunate byproduct of uh, yeah. LeBron James.
2: LeBron James and uh, Jordan Clarkson. Yeah. <laughs> collateral damage in that having said that jordan clarkson's played very well this year too um with that said thank you guys for listening hope everybody has a merry christmas merry Litmus, litty christmas happy new year if we don't have another episode before 2019 but hey still help us get to 300 ratings and reviews tommy merry christmas happy holidays happy hanukkah kwanzaa
3: same to you <laughs> <laughs> happy everything everyone
2: Happy everything, everyone. What a super PC non-denominational greeting. <laughs> All right, with that said, this is the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Uh, yeah, have fun on the holidays, everyone, and we'll catch you guys later. Tommy. Peace. Peace, indeed. Oh, that was a very holiday-themed ending with peace. Anyways, goodbye. <laughs>